From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. Today we sit down with Hannah Breckbill of Humble Hands Harvest in Decorah, Iowa, as she shares her inspiring journey of launching the farm, from the creative and thoughtful story behind that name to how a math degree can support the analytical side of farming. Hannah Breckbill has been farming since 2009, when she interned as a CSA manager at World Hunger Relief outside of Waco, Texas. She was part of Land Stewardship Project's Farm Beginnings and Journey Person programs, where she crafted a vision for Humble Hands Harvest. The farm launched in 2013 and is now a worker-owned cooperative farm that raises organic vegetables, grass-fed lamb, and pastured pork. She serves on the board of Northeast Iowa Peace and Justice Center and the Iowa Food Hub, and she hosts an annual Queer Farmer Convergence on her farm. We are here with Hannah Breckbill at Humble Hands Harvest Farm in beautiful Decorah, recording from her farm and her yurt. Hannah, this is the first time we have recorded from a yurt. It's wonderful and quiet and beautiful. And I also have a co-host today of Hannah's adorable cat, Gooseberry. So thank you very much. And thank you again for hosting our Boots Workshop. This is always a a way we can share all the good energy that was at our Boots Workshop with women who couldn't be here. So thank you. Mm -hmm. And can you kick us off with sharing a bit of your farm journey and the story, and maybe we could start because I don't know this. Mm-hmm. What, why Humble Hands Harvest? Oh yeah, that's a fun. That's a fun story actually. Um, so I was thinking, you know, I was going to start a farm. This was in 2012 when I was thinking about launching my farm the the next year, and um, I didn't really have any ideas for a name, and I thought of. So my name Breckbill comes from German um something to the effect of Brachsimbul, which might mean something like a hill that has been tilled after being fallow. That's just been broken after being fallow. Ooh. I was like, wow, that should that could be incorporated yeah. into the farm name somehow. Um but I couldn't quite find it. I couldn't quite get there. And then I thought about my mom's maiden name, which is a family that I have a lot of connection to also, which is Stolzfus, also German, meaning directly translated as tr- proud foot. And I was like, well, that that's like an easier, like, just kind of name. But proud foot, like you don't really want foot in a farm name <laughs> and like proud that doesn't really represent me. And so I just made the opposite of both of those and humble hands. It's like, yeah, that's a neat, that's a great farm name. <laughs> oh, that's a great story. And yeah. you had that name in your mind before you were on this land even? Before I was on this land, certainly. Um, and yeah, just for my farm business. It was oh, I love that. Name. That's yeah. beautiful <laughs> and thoughtful. Uh, so let's take it back now because as we know, you started uh, 
adulthood in college with a major that is very applicable to farming of math, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so take us through. I mean, when, you, when did the farm vision start? Yeah. So when I was in high school, I was... I was one of those kids who was really good at school, and so I I was excelling in math, and I was excited about um about kind of continuing that traje- trajectory. But at the same time, I had kind of a mentor from my church who was a CSA farmer, and so I got to volunteer on her farm a lot when I was in high school. And so, just the feeling of of farming, um, as she was a bio- biodynamic vegetable grower. Um, was this in Iowa? Were you? It, it, Lincoln, Nebraska, oh, Nebraska is my yeah. is my hometown. Yeah, and and so I kind of had that kind of side idea, and then all through college, I was very much in my head um, in the math major. Um, but people would talk, and you know, activists around me were talking about food, food stuff, and um, and how idyllic it would be to be a farmer, um, <laughs> and and I kind of took that seriously. Um, and kind of slowly kind of transitioned toward wanting to do something real with my hands that impacted people in the world. Um, and I didn't necessarily see myself doing that with mathematics. Um, so I completed my major, but I immediately out of college, I disappointed my math professors who wanted me to go and get a PhD and instead got an internship on a vegetable farm. So um that was in Texas, and I started running a CSA there. I, I was just plopped into running this CSA um, for a year. Um, and then um, through a connection at Seed Savers, I moved up to Decorah, Iowa. So And have roots here since. Yeah, I, I grew my roots. And- but even with – okay, you don't, you don't need a math degree to farm, but you have <laughs> an analytical perspective though, right? I mean, that must help in yeah. – yeah, definitely. I Looking yeah, I I love math. Um uh even though I didn't see myself using using it as a career. Um I I do love math and um I was a I was kind of on the pure end of mathematics. So it was all about kind of abstraction and creating worlds with like certain rules and following those rules and and discovering what what results from following those rules. That's kind of how I think of of pure math. Um, and, um, and that's what I'm doing on a farm too. It's just that there are a lot of, a lot more variables that I'm used to, um, in math, but, um, but basically I'm envisioning the structure of the world that I want to be in. And then I kind of work out the results each year and like what, what happens. (laughs) Um, That's amazing. Oh, it makes so much sense. Yeah. It makes so much sense. So take us to today. How do you describe Humble Hands Harvest now? Humble Hands Harvest currently at this moment is a worker-owned co-op vegetable farm. There are two of us co-op members and we, um, we grow two acres of organic vegetables. Um, But there's also a lot of kind of experimentation and expansion in terms of um, we've got some pigs and I have a flock of sheep that I've been growing for a number of years and, um, you know, a home flock of chickens. And then I'm planting chestnuts um, and uh, hazelnuts and we've got some apples in the ground. So the total amount of land that we have to work with is more like 22 acres. Um, but uh, the yeah, the vegetable farm, which kind of is our bread and butter, is is two acres of vegetables. And you sell it? 
both markets or we, Yeah, we sell at um, the Cora Farmer's Market twice a week. Uh, we sell at the Cedar Rapids Farmer's Market um, twice a month. And um, and then we have a CSA both in Decorah and in Rochester, Minnesota. Um, so we have 40 CSA members and um, and some wholesale accounts that we drive up to Minnesota. They they end up in the Twin Cities, actually, sometimes. You're not so. too far. You're close to the Minnesota border here. Yeah. It's we're, a good location. I mean, you're mm-hmm. rural, but you can get urban when you need to. Yeah, exactly. We, we're kind of equidistant from the Twin Cities and Madison and Iowa City, so kind of have a lot a lot of options. Oh, great. So you worked at a couple different farms here in the Decorah area, right, before you Yeah, I, I kind of started... When I first moved up here, I worked at Rock Spring Farm, um, and that was a really great learning experience. Um, That was more of like 15 acres of vegetables, so it was a a good scale to learn um, about and then be able to scale scale down. Uh, I also worked for um, Barb Krause a little bit of Canoe Creek Produce, and I... um, I had a, a short couple of kind of late fall winter stints at Seed Savers Exchange. Um, so those were kind of my my ways of um, learning how to farm um, before launching my own. And then the opportunity to launch my own farm came um, through the Land Stewardship Project. They advertised um, at Hidden Stream Farm, um, a livestock farm that uh, had a spare paddock or two that they would be willing to to let a vegetable grower grow on and, and kind of cut their cut their teeth on. And um and they had great infrastructure already set up. They had cooler uh, a cooler and, and um a space where I could build a greenhouse and they had markets already set up, the restaurants up in the Twin Cities. Um and so I I decided to do it um and launched it in twenty thirteen and um and was was at that spot for two years. So super grateful for that opportunity. And we were talking, back to Barb Cross. Mm-hmm. we were talking at the Boots Workshop yesterday because she hosted one. I can't, I'm fuzzy, but it was like four or five years it ago. It was when 2013. You were, 2013. Yeah. Okay, yeah. gotcha. When you were just finishing up your stint working there and... Then we were back at a boots workshop with you running your own place. And I was mm-hmm. joking, but I really wasn't joking in all sincerity. Mm-hmm. I was telling folks who came to the session here yesterday that who's going to host in five years? Because right. that's what it's all about, isn't totally. it? You're such a beautiful example of that, of <laughs> women supporting other women in their own businesses. And mm-hmm. it goes so against whatever, a traditional business school model, right? right? Why would you support people to do something that in theory competes against you, but it's mm-hmm. not that? Yeah, I mean, in it, my perspective of of vegetable farming in the Midwest is that, and and generally sustainable agriculture in the Midwest is that we need so much more of it. Um, and so, yeah, in this moment, we are kind of competing for the same segment of the population that gets that we were needed. Um, so, what what we really need to do is to kind of expand and cooperate and say, look, like everyone needs us. And how are we gonna how are we gonna meet more people's needs? Um, so that that's why I'm excited about just totally not envisioning not envisioning it as a competition between other other farmers because honestly there are so many vegetables still being shipped in here from California and we don't we don't need that we got each other. No, you nailed it, Hannah. So how did so going back to your farm story? How did you know you were ready to come here? I mean, it sounded like there was a mm. events that. 
yeah serendipitously lined up but it was was it a gut too was it i'm just it's time to try or how yeah that's so hard for people to know well farming is so interesting because there isn't really there's not a lot of in between between working for somebody and running your own show um and and so and and generally you don't want to work for somebody forever um and so you kind of have to make the leap at some point or get out of farming um uh and that's that's kind of a frustrating thing for me and that's part of the reason that i'm i'm so excited about our worker cooperative structure um but um yeah at some point i just made a a decision that like yep i'm into this i'm into this farming thing let me let me go for it and make a make a business of it yeah but the the story the trajectory of my of my farm business i i worked um my farm was at hidden stream farm for 2 years and then i really uh was realizing that my community my people were all in decora um iowa and and How i was far like, is hidden streams from it's an hour and a half oh, yeah yeah difference so i was still coming down here like almost once a week um and that's that's so silly to to have to drive so far for your social life when there's land everywhere you know (laughs) and so i i figured out um uh david and perio sleva actually were the people who offered um land on their property And they were kind of retired from vegetable growing. They had a beautiful orchard um, and and offered me, yeah, about the same amount of space, about two acres. And I I went for it um, so that I could move back here. And it was a really solid decision for me, um, like personally and socially. And economically, it wasn't that great um, of a decision. It was a hard place to farm, um, for a number of reasons. I didn't have as much access to infrastructure. Um, and, um, and my second year there, I ended up actually getting flooded out in August. The river came up above my field. My, my kale plants were almost completely underwater. Um, so it was pretty horrifying. And, um, even before that flood, I, um, I had been saying, you know what? I need a permanent place to farm. I need a place that's not rented, that's not dependent on some, you know, um, generous neighbor. And I also need someone to farm with so that this can be kind of a sustainable thing for me. I need someone that's as committed as me to this to this um, operation. Um, and so luckily, my second cousin, Emily, had moved to town to work on a vegetable farm and she was really amazingly open to the idea of of jumping in with me. And so we started together in 2017. Um, and also we got this piece of ground in 2017. It was a hay field um, that had been in conventional corn for a lo- large number of years, um, as long as anyone could remember. But the owners of it had retired and moved to town and were selling the land at auction that was their plan. Um, and neighbors were really concerned that a hog confinement operator was going to buy up the land. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't want that in the neighborhood. Um, and so their strategy was to was to buy this 22 acres um, kind of collectively um, outright just for cash, $5,500 an acre. Um, and and people bought in at kind of acres shares. 
Um, and I bought in at that time. That was in 2014. And so it was kind of up to me, the the young person in the group uh, who wanted to farm, to kind of come up with a vision and come up with a strategy for how to how to make this into something um, really cool and really diverse and um, you know economically um, vibrant. So somehow I managed to do it. I That's managed. Fascinating. Yeah. So, so is it still is the land still group owned or how? Yeah. So what happened was that I ended up kind of acquiring more shares from various of the shareholders of the land um, and then splitting off kind of a quadrant of it. And so that's what the farm is on right now. Most of the vegetables and and, and infrastructure um, are on this quadrant that I personally own. Um, and then the rest of it is um, owned by the LLC. That is still a number of group, group members, probably 10, 10 individuals still uh, own some shares. But you're all on the same so, page philosophically yep. and land stewardship wise. So yep. it's a good fit. Yeah, exactly. And and there's a kind of intention um of the LLC that's put down in writing that over time Hannah Breckbill and or Humble Hands Harvest will acquire the rest of this land and and then it'll dissolve. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Well we'll we'll delve more into the that cooperative structure, your cooperative structure and just mm. I love how you creatively create situations that suit what you vision so all right we'll come back thanks thanks for listening to our in her boots podcast i'm your host lisa kiverest with the moses in her boots project this episode's audio engineer was liam kiverest of techsocket.net the podcast was brought to you by the midwest organic and sustainable education service moses the mission of moses is to educate inspire and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable, organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, In Her Boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.